What's up, military billionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, and uh, today we have my friend Ziana on the show, and we are going to be talking about, well, medium-term rentals or mid-term rentals or whatever the buzzword is, and her new book, 30 Days Day, as well as the fact that she's sitting here in a wedding dress because apparently she's married today and for some reason (laughs) is podcasting with me, which is, I'm so a little- The work never stops. Yeah. You should know this. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, guys? Today, I want to give you a quick shout out from our sponsor, me, and the No BS Guide to Military Life. So, I just wanted to touch on this real quick because I don't mention this book enough, uh, and I'm not necessarily trying to sell it to you. You can go download the book for free on my website. There'll be a pop up that shows up and says, "Hey, join our email list. You can get the book for free. PDF. Boom." Uh, you can also order the hard copy. I'm a fan of how the hardcover came out. I think it came out really nice in the soft cover. But this book was written for anybody, uh, military veteran alike, who wants to learn about how to build wealth using military benefits and uh, military uh, just opportunities to your advantage. But I will say that it was definitely written with the idea of somebody who is just joining the military. And it kind of goes chronologically through what I think would most benefit you learning at an early age, like your thrift savings plan all the way up through VA loan, building wealth with real estate, and then personal finance, entrepreneurship, uh, personal development, growth, the journaling, goals, uh, and transitioning out of the military, right? This was everything I learned while I was deciding whether to stay in, go reserves, get out. Uh, I went reserves. And so this book is uh, written with you in mind. It's not a sales push. It's an actual like 250, 260 page book that is here to help you as a service member veteran learn how to build wealth. So go check it out. You can download it for free or go to Amazon or go to fromilitarytomillionaire.com slash book. I hope it helps. Let me know. I don't know if I'm baffled or uh, <laughs> flattered or I don't know, but uh, <laughs> no, she, uh, this is, this is going to be fun. So I appreciate you yeah. joining me and uh why don't you give the audience a little bit of your uh, uh, introduction, a little bit of your background? Yeah. So I have been a short and medium term host for now 10 years. I got started in Airbnb back in 2012, accidentally, <laughs> and then it took over my whole life. So now I have been doing it for, yeah, a decade. And I own properties in four states. So I am in Missouri, Washington, Florida, and Colorado, where I live. And yeah, we just came out with this book, 30 Day Stay with Bigger Pockets. So happy to dig into all and any of it. And you're one of my favorite people. So that's why I'm here on my wedding. Cutie. I, I appreciate nugget. that. <laughs> yeah. Where where in Missouri? Um, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. I'm in yeah. the southwest quarter, but so not not nearly as close. But um Man, 2012. So you were, I mean, that's pretty much, I can't remember exactly what your Airbnb started at. I mean, you must have been. 2008. Yeah, pretty, pretty close to beginning phases of Airbnb. Uh, Absolutely. It was like nobody knew what I was talking about. So I just didn't talk about it. I'm, <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, like, if you go back to, you know, when you first started dabbling uh, and, and then now when it's obviously 
much more saturated. Do you think that it has become easier as a host over time or, or with, I mean, it's, it's probably like a little bit of a yin and yang, but there's a whole lot more guests obviously, but there's also a whole lot more hosts and, and there's more help from Airbnb, but there's also more, you know, expectations I would imagine from guests now. So I'm curious, like if you think that back to 2013, when it was like, Oh yeah, some random person has a house that I can crash in and there weren't really expectations and probably not as much weight on reviews, you know, how things have changed over the last decade. Yeah, there are a few things that are easier. So when I got started, there were no automations. It was just a really basic site. And so now there's probably hundreds to thousands of different things that you can plug into that make your life really easy. Um, So that is definitely great. But I got to live through some really exciting times of like between 2015 and 2017, it was like every single year you could charge more. It was just like because there was just more demand and more people um, traveling on Airbnb, it was just kind of amazing. And it was before all the regulations came in. So I had to pivot with those times as well. Um, But yeah, it's just been really sweet to grow up with Airbnb. I found it when I was a college student. So even just the way I run a business and the way that I designed was so different. It was like, minimalist college chic (laughs) and now it's super professional with designers and stuff so yeah it's uh it's grown with me minimalist design college chic is 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 that slang for i can't afford that furniture (laughs) but this will do yeah like ramen ramen noodles equals diet (laughs) yeah oh yeah i dumpster dove for a lot of my stuff i mean Good, good frugal. old times. We call it frugal. Super. Uh, yeah, garage sales, all the things. So. I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So my my office, I think I've told you about this place, but so my my office is the, it's a 2-1 that was built into the basement of a house. Uh, and so it's a walkout. It's not, it's not a duplex. They never got it zoned. And honestly, I'll probably never try because I can't imagine anything they did is up to code. Like for example, the air duct that runs through the basement here has no actual vents into the basement. Like the HVAC doesn't go into the basement. It just is it's in the basement, but it only goes into yeah. the anyway. Um, but it's got a full two one down here, right? Kitchen, bath, yeah. uh, two beds, living room, laundry room, walkout. And so I use it as my office. Uh, and then the upstairs is a four bed, two and a half bath with a massive den and the porch. It's 3,200 square feet. And you know, the Airbnb covers, brings in 2,800 to 3,000 and my all-in cost for the entire house is about 26 to 2,800, including internet utilities and everything else. So it's a break even for me with the office. So it's great. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when I moved here, basically what I did was I took all the furniture that I'd had when I was living in military housing because I moved back here and I was like, well, crap, I don't, I can't put all this in my house that we already had furnished in Missouri. So it's just like... I could, I could probably do a lot better and actually buy all new furniture and design the house, but it's, yeah. it's not necessarily hodgepodge because it was in a house. So it was somewhat coherent, but it's like, I already have furniture for a house. I, we're just going to kind of stick it in here and buy a few odds and ends to put it together and you know, it works, but it's, yeah. uh, 
I mean, if I'd gone to furnish the whole thing, it would have been another like 20 grand. So Yes, but let me tell you something. So this is pretty fun. Um, A friend of mine, Natalie Palmer, who is like an Airbnb host kind of influencer and podcaster, she posted, and this was a perfect timing because it was in the middle of me spending far too much money remodeling one of my places. And I was just like, oh, I'm bleeding money. And then I saw her post that night that was showing that she manages nine places in the exact same building. And the only difference, because they have the same location, the same manager, the same cleaner, the same handyman, was the furnishings. And those places, the lowest grossing one made 40K a year, and the highest was closer to 90. And so it's really that much different just to have great furniture. And so it is worth that 20 grand investment, I think, if you were going to spruce it up. And you probably could even keep a couple of the things. So you wouldn't need to spend that much, but I would do it if you have the stomach for it. (laughs) I might have to, might have to go find myself a designer and, and rock out here. Oh, I know. You let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Next time you're out in St. Louis, I'll just tell you to stop off on the way. Yeah. I mean, people design from afar, which is really cool, but um, there's kind of different tiers. You can get just a list where they're like, here, order all this stuff, or they can like, fully fly out and you know there's everything in between so there you go yeah yeah it's a super cool house it's got you know vaulted ceilings with like beams and porch like covered porch and it overlooks uh it's in town so it's got all the nice Mm -hmm. amenities but it overlooks a floodplain and the so it overlooks a flood like a little valley and the two houses on either side are both like you know in missouri when i say like 700 to 1.2 1.2 million that uh, is that fancy we're talking like look. a castle yeah like one, one, <laughs> yeah. Of, one of them one of them is literally like i showed a friend of mine on a map the other day and he knew the owner's name immediately because he was like oh that's that house like it, it's just you know you see it on a map a and you're like, oh that's that guy <laughs> so yeah. you know so like the the house overlooks this little floodplain valley that is in town and it's like because of that there's deer and turkey and nobody can ever build there but it's like in the middle of it's it's kind of a cool little location so you're right it'd probably be worth spending the money to oh i'm always right (laughs) just in case you were wondering fair enough (laughs) all right so at what point did you start dabbling in the midterm stuff and why yeah so the intentional dabble because of course during that whole term of doing short-term rentals, I had gotten a few medium-term stays. Just anybody over 30 days is kind of fair game for that. But I intentionally switched over during COVID because there was this literally one day to the next. I had gotten off of a podcast. It was like March 10th, 2020. And a friend was like, what do you think of all this COVID stuff? Do you think it's going to affect short-term rentals? And I'm like, nah, I haven't seen anything happen. And like the next freaking day, every reservation canceled. And I was like, all right, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and I had this kind of come to Jesus moment where I was like, man, maybe this business that I have built over eight years and like literally let everything else go to do this one thing, maybe that's over. Yeah. Um, but I quickly picked myself up with my investor cap on. And was like, well, these places are not going to sit vacant. So I'm going to figure some yeah. something out. And luckily, at the same time, I started to see requests come in for longer stays of people that needed to quarantine before they reintroduced to their families, um, needing a bigger space to school from home and work from home. 
and emergency kind of like uh, military nurses, a lot of stuff like that. And so I started to go, well, maybe I don't have to do long-term rental and I can keep them furnished and I can try this midterm, medium-term space. And yeah, it's it's grown a lot and it's a very exciting space because I think there's a lot of room to grow even from here. Yeah. yeah. I didn't dabble per se, but I accidentally, I guess, kind of did the same thing. Uh, right. So I, I was in San Diego and I was, I guess you'd call it Airbnb arbitraging. I was, mm-hmm. I was trying to house hack there. And at the time I couldn't, uh, the VA loan still had a cap, so I couldn't house hack. I couldn't buy a, a duplex, triplex, fourplex because of the limit. Of course that got yeah. lifted, lifted like five months after I moved back to California. So if I'd just been patient and known that was going to happen, then I would have been great. But, uh if only you, know, you had a crystal ball. I know, right? So <laughs> here I am helping all these other guys buy fourplexes for millions of dollars in San Diego, and I didn't. I missed the boat, but um, I did get a brand new. I was like, I got to pick if I wanted real grass or turf type of brand new house uh, in a development where I locked in a two year lease for three thousand a month and said, "Hey, uh, I will rent it on the spot, sight unseen, today for the full two years." if you're cool with me renting out bedrooms when my family's out of town and uh, they were like, Oh yeah, that's fine. And I just didn't mention that my family was going to move back to Missouri. So they would be out of town 95% of the time. Um, (laughs) And so it was a four bed and I used one as my room, one as the office and then Airbnb, two of the bedrooms. And uh, then I had one who moved in as a roommate, best friend. I don't know if you've actually, you've probably met, you might've met John at, maybe at bigger pockets conference last year, but, uh, anyway, good friend of mine. And then, uh, I had a couple staying with me for like 15 days, right when COVID hit and they, <laughs> they're like, you're stuck with us now. We're going to literally, stay they had moved out there to figure out that, like if they were going to stay out there for a while or not. And they were trying to look for a place and they basically said, Hey, uh, would you be cool if we just stayed? until we figure stuff out and they were, they were a really nice couple. Um, and they offered to, you know, I know this is not what you're supposed to do, but they were like, we'll just pay you cash if you're cool with it. And I was like, as long as you guys pay up front, I'm cool with yeah. that. And they month over month cash up front for, it was like four and a half, five months. Um, and it was great, you know, basically broke even on the rental for like the first six months of COVID. And then when they moved out, I went back to renting the room out. Great. So you just got to like ride out the shitty part. <laughs> the uh, like everybody didn't know what was happening part. You're like, well, they're just going to stay. It's great. Yeah. And the, the guy was like a former like competitive triathlete and I was training for a half Ironman. And so he would like take me out cycling and we would like just mm. go ride bikes and stuff and then come back and he would. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. He was a bassoose too. So he'd be like, you know, oh yeah, you need you know, it was like in house. Literally masseuse. the best roommates ever. It was, yeah, they were they were a nice couple. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think people get stuck on the idea of like, ooh, strangers coming into my house. That sounds really weird. But what I found when I had like the Airbnb roommate renting out a room is that I would get so excited because these people would be coming in from different adventures and I get to live vicariously through them. And they'd either be in the room or be gone all the time, or we would just totally hit it off. And it would be like, I don't have to do this, but let me take you on my favorite hike and let me take you out to my favorite place to eat and let's do everything together until you leave. So it would just kind of be a great mix. So I I always loved that. 
Yep. I, I only had one one really bad experience and it was if if anybody's seen my TikTok with the voicemail, you you know, but uh, it was bad. It was long story short, she the the voicemail was after I left a review that was two stars that basically the review review said and this summarizes everything, but the review said she ate my roommate's meal prep, drank my scotch, smoked at the house. And that was pretty much it. Like she was like eating food out of the fridge and like she drank. I had a bottle of uh, like Macallan 18 year, like, you know, like a $200 mm. bottle of scotch that she drank and then replaced with a $3.99 bottle of red wine. Oh, gosh. Like, Thanks, lady. And then uh, <laughs> so I left the review and then she like threatened to sue me and like came back to the house. And I was like, oh, nope. that was the only one. It's the only there you one, go. you know, I know. I think people always want to hear a horror story and I'm like, man, even 10 years in, it's really hard for me to think of one. It's yeah. just, and, I've had so many great experiences. And she was nice. Like while she was staying, yeah. like we had decent conversations. It was just the fact that I couldn't get past like the, just no boundaries. I was like, come on. Like I, I offered you beer. I did not offer you really expensive alcohol that was hidden out of sight elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. People. But okay, so you got into it. When when like is that would you say that that is your main strategy now or is that just a proponent? Like what when did you decide that was kind of the going to be the move? Yeah, so I mean it continues to evolve. So what I like to tell people is there's three ways to do this space. And the very like low-hanging fruit way that we talk about in our book is just like Airbnb and Furnish Finder. Um, and if people don't use Furnish Finder, it's getting more popular, but it was primarily for the medical professionals. And so lots of traveling nurses. But what I've learned over time is that Furnish Finder is where someone goes to get a deal. So if they are higher up like a doctor, they're going to have the placement agency or the recruiter go get them housing. But the nurse says, oh, give me the stipend. Let me see if I can get something cheaper. And so they go to Furnish Finder and Facebook groups and they look for a deal there. So on Furnish Finder, where everybody's getting their comps, it's actually priced low. And so that second tier is corporate housing, which people may have heard about. Um, but that can be anything from government contracts, film contracts, medical insurance. insurance. And that pays even more than short term rentals. So that's the space that I'm just getting into now. And hopefully we'll write another book on because it's fascinating. Um, yeah, those insurance and then beyond that, you could awesome. really get into networking directly with agencies and uh, recruiters. But that's that's a lot of work. It's a lot of cold calling. Yeah. yeah. When you when you say recruiters, are you talking about like uh, somebody like like for uh, big companies in town, and they try to like as a part of their uh, package for employment? It's like, hey, look at this awesome place that we will put you up in or yes that's because cool. the recruiter ends up making a portion of that person's salary so it's like a bonus for them and so they're really trying to get these people to say yes and one of the ways that they can lure them in is with a really great place and so if they know you in town and know that you have you know these really awesome short-term rentals that now you're converting to corporate housing that's going to make you their best friend right because you're yeah, helping them cool. get this great client yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've yeah. always known the, the insurance ones are, are good if you can land it. They're not necessarily the longest term per se, but 
uh, I mean, they know, can be. Insurance claims. We had a request well. the other day for insurance, and it was six months. Oh, wow. uh, we didn't end up landing it, which I'm still very sour about. But <laughs> they'll keep coming. I feel certain of that. But yeah, um, that's a whole new level that we're really trying to get into. Yeah, and I wonder how. Like, I mean, that's probably that's probably hit or miss depending on your market. Like, I mean, it's. It, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, it happens everywhere, right? Depending on situations. But especially somewhere that's prone to natural disasters, I'm sure that's even more popular, right? Like you imagine. That's interesting. You know, I like didn't think Florida. about that where you're like, like hmm, where are we going to have more disasters? I mean, Let's if you go think, there. You know, as messed up as that sounds, if you think about it, right? Like the panhandle yeah. when a hurricane comes through, how many of those people are going to be out of a house for months? Yeah, you, know, you need to just years. be right on the edge of that so you don't get caught in the hurricane either, you know, yeah, just you know, like not up on a hill. Yeah. There you Build go. Your house on taller stilts than everyone else, but um, yeah. big wall around it. I don't know. Um, right next to where the volcano is in Hawaii, but just out of the lava flow strategically. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you're you going to be the most successful. It's all about <laughs> thinking creative and you're taking it a step further. What? Why is it. David buying houses right next to massive insurance risks? Don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah. No, uh, that's, it's like just as bad as having like the sleazy billboards that are like, yeah, anyway, don't worry, <laughs> call me, I'll fight your case. You only pay if I win. Ugh, the worst. <laughs> oh man, that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of people, yeah, they, they go after, you know, like the travel nurse gigs and stuff, but some of those, those corporate housing and, and some of the other stuff, I hadn't even thought about the recruiting side, but I mean, the corporate housing stuff is definitely lucrative. That's what we're trying to do with our hotel is get into uh, corporate housing as well, or like corporate stays, as well as uh, we're really trying to go after and target trucking agencies. So like we're mm. kind of on a major thoroughfare for semis and and just logistics stuff in general and so we realized hey why are we not talking directly to local like logistics and transportation companies that are like the the dispatch for these guys like you know yeah the, hey we will give you a Don't discount they normally if you sleep tell in their truck though i just feel like most it, truckers do that it depends on you know i mean a lot of times yes but you know they depending on how long they've been on the road a lot of them do want a shower right yeah or a, an actual bid um, and it also depends on, you know, where they're, where they're going, what they're, what they're pulling. I don't know. Yeah. So this is really interesting, but I heard about this type of rental strategy the other day at a party at a holiday party. And I was like, damn, that never crossed my mind, but you know how they have houses for like, uh, bunk houses for, um, flight attendants and pilots and stuff like that, where it's kind of like short-term stays. Yeah. Well, there's a whole underground of like dungeons and places that are safe for sex workers. And I would not have thought of that at all. And they're renting on sites that are different than Airbnb. They have special sites for sex workers. And so even in towns where short-term rentals are illegal, you could still have them by the week because people actually go on tour as sex workers, especially some of the ones that have a bigger following. And so I was just riveted at this party, talk, listening to this girl. I was like, damn. That's amazing. I would not have thought of that at all. So I, yeah, yeah. There is a. I I stumbled across a TikTok at one point where a couple is, and and I they I actually thought and maybe maybe not, but I actually thought that theirs was on Airbnb, 
but they have it. It's like, I forget what the TikTok is, but something, something red room, you know, typical name. Um, yeah. But it's basically that, right? It was absolutely 100% a short-term stay marketed as, you know, and I was like, man, that yeah. is kind of dungeon or something. Very, very unique. And obviously the cleaning protocols got to be intense, but yeah, I would imagine very lucrative endeavor because you know i mean if you think about it right what what kind of industry are people probably more willing to whip their wallet out for than something they're passionate about i don't know so. absolutely and i think people when they think sex workers they think somebody's standing out on a corner but yeah. there are really high-end like dominatrix and experienced providers and stuff where they're like thousands an hour and so for them to rent a nice space and actually you know, follow through and be there for a while and all this stuff. Yeah. Just make sure everything's really easy to wipe off. (laughs) (laughs) No fabrics. Everything's pleather, man. That's a a business (laughs) that might not have done so hot in the middle of COVID, but you never know. Um, Yeah. Adapt with the times. And that, you know, as, as funny as that is to, I I shouldn't say funny, right? I wouldn't make fun of anybody for anything like that. But as interesting as it is to talk about ideas, even like that, it just goes to sit. What I'm always talking about for anyone who's heard me say it on the podcast is you can make money doing anything if you're passionate enough about it. So if that is the route you want to go, if if you're creative enough and passionate enough about it, you can you can find a way. Um, even yeah. if, even if the way is building out a cage in your basement and marketing it to dominatrixes to whatever. Totally. Yeah. I was listening. I was listening to these two girls talk cause I'm introverted, but I like to just sit next to someone who's extroverted and just like get all the juice. Um, and the one girl was saying like, she does very much like what most of our friends do where she has a course and she sells how to like safely be, um, like work with a sugar daddy or be like a sex worker. I mean, it was just so fascinating. I was like, yeah, you really can take any topic. Just so happens we both work in real estate or financial independence and we teach about that. But like you can take the same model and make money teaching on anything. So yeah, I was a, I was enthralled. There's a girl that I was introduced to in 2019. My buddy Phil uh, introduced me. We were at a a food truck. I was at the 10X Growth Conference and he was in a mastermind group with her uh, or in a big mastermind group and she just happened to be a part and they had all met at this food truck and I tagged along with them. And he introduced me just mainly just because she had an Instagram following and I had an Instagram following. So he was like, oh, you guys should talk. And her her Instagram tag is, I think it's rack, racks, like racks to riches. And I, I still every now and then see her pop up on my feed because I just never unfollowed her. But it was kind of fascinating to me, and I, I still every now and then I laugh about it, and I still see what she's doing. But uh, her entire Instagram following is that she is an exotic dancer, and she teaches exotic dancers how to make more money, and so it's sales, and it is actually really yeah. fascinating. I've definitely like seen some of her stuff where she'll do like sales tips, and it's like when the guy says this, here's how you, and it's like put your hand on his shoulder this way, and instead of using this phrase, use this, and I'm like. And from a guy to, as like a guy to like read that, I'm like, yeah, that would totally work. Like, that's a, that's <laughs> You're like a it's way, working on me I'm right like, now. I'm like, I'm like, that's a way better way to word that, you know, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's cool to, you know, see it and be like, man, here's a girl who found a way. I guarantee she makes more money doing that than she ever did dancing. Right. And, yeah. um, but it's, 
it's just interesting. Anyway, we got this went we got off topic, but it was yeah. very so interesting. Back to houses. I feel like this um. is great. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you do any arbitrage or do you own all of yours? I own everything now. Yeah. I started that way though, you know, yeah. and I, I think that's a great way for people if they need to get going without any money. Right. It's like you can rent out a spare room in your house. A lot of people don't know this, but on Airbnb, you don't have to rent um, like a contained space. It can be a couch in the living room. You can do a tent in the backyard. People rent RVs that are just parked in their driveway. So there's just lots of options. And so don't feel like you need to break the bank to get started. And it also allows you to try it before you fully invest and go in thinking, oh, shit, I actually don't like this at all. <laughs> you yeah. know, you could just turn it right off. So I think it's great. But what I tell people is, I think the money in real estate is made with appreciation and building equity. And so if you are only arbitraging, you're basically like a wholesaler or flipper, like you have a job and you're not getting that passive income. Even if it's an easy job, you still have a job. So I always try to go get that active income, invest it into something that makes you passive income. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, Ar arbitrage is... Like you said, it's it's a good way to get your foot in the door, but I I don't necessarily love it all the way. There's a lot of I think downsides potentially to it compared yeah. to uh, actually owning the asset and being able to control the asset. Um, yeah, but there's I felt there's... really insecure when I was arbitraging. I always was like. Oh man, is this going to be the phone call? It's going to mean that I have to move or that I'm going to do something or I'm going to get kicked out or, you know, you just don't have control, like you're yeah. saying, of that asset. And so, yeah, I just wanted to have more control. You never have all the control, right? <laughs> HOA, city, there's always somebody looming, but um, yeah, just more. Yeah, I feel you there. Yeah. And then, you know, and then as a host, you got to make sure that you can actually deal with guests. Uh, yeah. And that's probably the the thing that is sometimes the hardest for me as a host is telling myself to, you know, reminding myself that the host, the guest is always right. Like, you know, being like, oh, yeah, of course, the fridge is dirty. You're absolutely correct. Oh, yeah, the. The toilet is is definitely clogged. It it is totally not because your kid flushed a Tonka truck down the freaking pipe mm. and not your fault at all. Of course, yeah, nope, definitely my fault. I will totally leave you a five star review. Please do the same. Like, yeah, you know, well, I think that's a really good sometimes. point. That short term rentals is hospitality and midterm. I love that it's kind of this middle ground. People do not expect as much from you. And generally, the people that I'm serving, I think they have been in just not as nice units for so long. Like the units that were available to nurses were a lot of like granny kind of basements that they're so excited to have more inventory out now that's competitive, that's really nice like short-term rentals. And so I think that's just, they're so much more pleased already and they have a little bit of pride of rentership is what we call it, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, but if they're staying there a longer time, they, they want to take care of it and make it a nicer space. And so I feel like you're in a partnership more than at service. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good point. That makes sense. So what do you, what do you, uh, what would you consider to be like some of the most important things to keep in mind as a host? What would you say uh, when yeah. you're getting started? Like what are, what are some good things to keep in mind? Um, I mean, if I'm thinking about what I'm going to supply in the house, things that are really important are blackout shades because a lot of the nurses at least work night shifts. Mm. Um, and so you just want to make sure that they can sleep during the day. Sometimes people put noise machines, but I don't know that you need that. Um, and then I always have desks. So even if they're really small writer's desk, I think those are great to have because a lot of people are traveling for work or digital nomads. Um, so having to work from the dining table is not as comfortable as if you've got like a desk with a decent chair. So yeah, a couple little things, but we're not going super overboard. I think for us, we just really want to make sure that the house is designed well and comfortable so that it looks good in pictures because people are really excited to stay in a, a cute place. So design again is really important. Yeah. Makes sense. Are you uh, with travel nurses? Are you doing uh, like by the room? Are you doing multiple nurses in the same place or I whole don't. Place? No? Yeah. So I try to keep things as easy as possible. I do think that's a strategy that works. A lot of people are doing that. Um, but for me, it seems like too management intensive where it's like people moving in and out on different days then having to navigate personalities and cleaning. And I just don't want to do it. No, but I if you agree. live in the property, I think that that's a, a better way to leverage what you can make than just having regular roommates. You can have nurse roommates that are there like half the time yeah. and pay more, pay twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> so win-win. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I've, and I've heard from uh, my friend Stacy, who's a nurse and has done travel nurse. Uh, she was saying I know that Stacy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was, she was saying that, one of the things, you know, when she was doing some rent by room to travel nurses, she was saying uh, that something to keep in mind is if you do that, like which part of the hospital do they work in? Because she was like, you know, you get different personalities a lot of times mm -hmm. for different jobs in the hospital. And she's like, if you put, you know, two ER nurses in a house with a like, you know, a, lab I don't know. tech or yeah, something. like a lab tech or something, she's like, they're probably not going to get along because you've got like an ICU nurse and, uh, you know, blood pressure or whatever is, is like, there's a really good chance that they have completely different personalities. And I was like, eh, it kind of makes sense. Like, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me. Like I get it, but I don't. Cause like in the military, it'd be like the same thing as putting like an infantry guy together with like an admin guy. But at the same time, like they would still get along in the military, even though they're totally yeah. different, you know? So you just never know. Yeah. But I think like people shoot themselves in the foot a little bit because they go, Oh, I have a four bedroom house. So that's definitely not going to work for nurses, but they're wrong. Usually um, you can get a bigger family. So like a doctor traveling with his family, insurance clients, but also you'll see nurses traveling in packs. So even though they're going to have their own room, you may get three or four traveling together where they go on assignments together and then they all split off and travel and then they come back together and do different assignments. So you do see that. That's cool. Yeah. Or, or they, yeah. With, like you said, with your family, like my buddy, uh, JJ, yeah. him and his wife and their two kids are traveling around. So love it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
I am enjoying. So what's next? What's the what's the goals? You've written a book, you've gotten married, and you own oh. Airbnbs in four states over the last decade. And what's the what are the goals now? Well, I think what I'm learning now is that in this space, especially if I'm really tackling corporate housing, I'm going to do better if I go deep in one market instead of being as spread out as I have been. Um, and when I got started, I got to this place where I was managing for other people. So I learned all the automations and I learned how to manage from afar. And so I kind of just bought wherever I found a cool deal and didn't really worry about them being close by. Now I think I'm wanting to really concentrate so that when somebody calls me up and I've built these relationships locally, I can say, oh yeah, I have eight places. So I can always say yes. I can always fill your need. Um, mm. So that feels important. And then the second thing, the fun thing is that I just want to do stuff for fun. I mean, I've been financially independent now since I was 28. So that's a lot of years ago. Um, eight years. And I think for me, collecting money for money's sake is not as interesting, but um, writing a book was something I never thought I would do. And so my next endeavor is I want to have a TV show. So oh, anybody out there, let me know, exciting. call me up. Um, but yeah, so I'm trying to manifest that. I just think it'd be fun. Glam Squad. I just want all of that. Glam Squad. <laughs> there you go. That'd be fun. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It'd be cool. Yeah, I'm trying to land. A, I decided this week that I'm going to try to land a TV episode. I don't care about a show, but okay. I've got a. Uh, now I want to be that main bitch, you know. I've I have a story <laughs> that needs to be told, and I don't know where to tell it yet. But it needs it needs coverage somewhere, and mm. I think I was thinking like it'd be a great podcast episode or YouTube video somewhere, but I'm almost thinking that it needs to end up on like TV somewhere. So the the story of my lawsuit over the last four years that is finally closed. We settled a month ago. Uh, Congratulations. I, got all my, I, mean, I don't want, even know what the everything. lawsuit's about, but fucking <laughs> lawyers and lawsuits is the most stressful shit ever. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, it, you know, at the end of the day, uh, after four years, I won, me and my partner won everything. I mean, wow. everything like across the board, everything in our favor, a complete judgment, complete settlement. Um, but the story itself is just absolutely bonkers. Like it's one of those things where thank God I still have screenshots of texts and emails because nobody would believe anything that I say happened in this endeavor. Cause it's like, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so it's like, man, it's probably worth it. Like it's a story that's like, there, there's gotta be a way to tell this somewhere sometime. Cause it's just, yeah, it's hilarious, and it's easily an hour and a half, two hour thing. If I go into detail, to You're like a little really documentary, it. yeah, it's. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't know what that looks like, but it's funny, yeah. and it would be worth talking about. And well, I think do I'm tell me when it comes to. out because you're dangling the worst carrot right now. I'm gonna know, like call you offline and be like, "Tell me the story. I, <laughs> I need to know." Yeah, it's basically a lease <laughs> option that the guy didn't uphold his end of the story, but then, uh, or end of the deal, but. Along the way, it was just, you know, misrepresentation and interfering with things and missing deadlines and just a whole slew of just things that kept going wrong. But then they were like intentionally going, you know, it'd be like 
he did this thing and then was like, oh, I didn't do that. And like, I have it on camera. Oh, no, I don't think that's wow. what happened. It's on video. <laughs> like, Yeah, mental yeah. illness is a thing. But okay, here's my question for you, because I'm actually going to sell creatively on a house right now. I'm in the process of it. Would you do other creative deals or has a sour do for it? Most nah. everything I've done is creative. What kind okay. of uh, way are you selling? Are you doing like a seller, uh, like seller a carry? subject to seller finance kind of wrap? Yeah, I'd, I would so. totally sell that way, uh, especially okay. especially because on the selling, like on the on the as the seller, uh, yeah, you know you're you're uh, you're doing you're you're in a good spot, right? Because if they default, you get the house back. So as long as you you just got to make sure you you know you you hedge your bet, but take enough of a down payment to give them skin in the game and then yeah if they default you keep the down payment and you just sell it again you win either way yeah well just for any of your listeners that may not know what we're talking about a subject to means that you take over the payments of someone's loan without technically assuming it you're not fully taking that assumption but you just take over the payments and so it's great for right now because there's lots of people that locked in these really low rate mortgages and now when interest rates are high People are excited to get those deals and they'll often pay more for them. So that's what we're getting is we're getting like 50K more for our property, which is awesome just yep. because we are allowing them to have that lower mortgage and our spread, which we're seller financing, which is our equity. We're still doing 8% on that. So that's win, win, win. Absolutely. And if they yeah. default on the sub two, which, you know, there's the chance that that, I mean, that would hurt your credit, right? That's the one downside. But if they yeah. default on it, you get the property and keep their down payment and all the have, payments they've made. Yeah. And you still have the mortgage and I mean, you're not, it's not a, it's not a, you're, you're not, you're no worse off, right? You still have the house. Yeah. So it's whatever. Right. And they're not going to default on that. I would imagine if they have terms like that, because that's a win. Right. So yeah, um, let's hope not. Yeah. Here we go. I, I, th I think you will be all right. That's how the, I learn things. I just the, try them on. The lease so we'll option, see. like mine wasn't a deal that went south because of the financing. Mine was a deal that went south because the guy like literally was making up leases and frauding and fudging P&Ls. Uh, yeah. You got forging. like one crazy out of the bunch. Yeah. Just, like those happen. Um, and then, and then there were other things like, you know, uh, seller will replace roof within 90 days or a buyer hundred thousand dollars and then 90 days came and went no roof no hundred thousand dollars and there were like hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of things like that that didn't happen and then a whole bunch of other things where it was like yes i'm going to put the h crane the hvacs onto the roof of the building yes i'm going to do it next week yes i'm going to do it no i never said i was going to do that i'm like Here's three emails where you said you were going to do it and it's in the contract. I never said I was going to do that. Yes, you did mm -hmm. three times as well as the contract you drafted and signed on this date, <laughs> like those kinds of things, you know? So it was just, it was just a big case of yeah. fraud. Um, so it's not anything to do with the financing. The actual financing terms we got were great. $150,000 down on a 2.375 purchase at 5% interest with three years to execute. And it was interest only for the three years. So it was great. Dope. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, you but, say that stuff all too fast, but there's people in sorry. the background going like, "What the actual fuck?" But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I try to yeah. break it down because on my podcast, everybody's a little newbie. 
lots of babies I, on there. And I'm like, here's what this term means. I, this is what we're talking about. I guess I only that. say it that fast here's because it was babies. like four years ago. So if I was to try to explain what those numbers actually come out to, I can't remember. I remember yeah. the like percentage points, but I don't remember what the, like, I think it was like $8,000 a month was still the payment on it. So it's, you know, yeah. still, still a lot, but it was also bringing in like, $23,000 a month or something. It was a cool building too. It was 64,000 square feet, four stories. It had 20 residential units and like a murder mystery theater, a family Whoa. like orchestra. Um, Wait, do you a, still have kitchen. this building? I wish. No. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. It's cool. Cool building, but. Yeah. No. God, there's so many things I do not know about you. I'm actually realizing that it's probably more <laughs> things that I don't know about you than I do know about you. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, an interesting character. I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's uh it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. What did we, as we wrap up, what did we not cover? What, what should we have touched on that we missed? Yeah. Well, I just want to tell people a little bit about the book. So 30 day stay, I wrote it with Sarah Weaver. Our intention for this book was to write something complete so that somebody even brand new could pick up the book, read it, and go get um, a property right after. So we wanted to make it really action-focused and really detailed so that everything was there as a good reference. And I think we did a good job with that. And then we tried to make it more interesting and less dry um, by putting in a lot of case studies and a lot of our personal stories. So I feel like people really get to know who we are through the book. And the last thing that I love is that we were able to highlight a lot of female investors. So the majority nice. of our case studies are women. Um, some of them are our friends. But yeah, I, I thought that that was really important because there are just so many men and this is like a male dominated space in real estate. And women, I just want to encourage them that there are certain places where we really shine and Furnish Rentals gives us a leg up. Um, yeah, so I think you, it's a good book. You, Go check it out. Us, 30 days us stay. ogres don't, don't do well at design? No, I mean, you can <laughs> do great kidding. too, but I think that women no, I have a natural I cannot, I cannot nurturing <laughs> and, you know, presence and they want to yeah. be hospitable, all I, that kind of stuff. I yeah. have no business in design. Yeah, nope. that too. <laughs> <laughs> Not my space. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us, but where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to reach out to you directly? Yes. So Ziana McIntyre, if you look in the show notes for the spelling, I have a yes. website. So ZianaMcIntyre.com. But I'm very active on Instagram. And then yeah, I'm in most of the social places. And if you want to get our book, it is at BiggerPockets.com slash 30 day stay. And if you use my name, Ziana, you get 10% off. Ooh, fancy. Ooh, 10%. <laughs> yeah oh well, thanks for having me no I, thanks for loving joining this. and yeah. uh on your on your wedding day i'm thanks. feel special i'll tell alex he missed out yeah he's gonna be sad i know he's <laughs> but, i like to make alex sad yeah you know, who doesn't it's it's probably my favorite part of the show That's making funny. him miss things no <laughs> yeah. no thank you very much for joining us and uh i'm excited to let this one come out and always a pleasure to hang out Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.